God, we just thank you so much for Joe, for all that she is, all who she is to us, and just pray you would, yeah, just speak off the words that she's prepared, that she would just look to you and communicate all that's on, on your heart to us today. Um, amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be back here again. This will be my last time preaching before baby comes. Um, now 29 weeks pregnant. Check it. Yeah. Quite, quite the melon. I know. <laughs> One of the kids did say, let's say you've got a football up there. But um, yeah, everything's going well, which is super exciting. But yeah, it's kind of strange that this will be the last preach that I'll be doing for a while. Um, so we are going to be going through Joshua 13, 1 to 7. So if you want to make your way in your Bible to that chapter, so that's again chapter 13, 1 to 7. So we have been working our way through the book of Joshua for some time now, and we've got to a slightly different section of the book, which is now, as Lena was talking about during the worship, where um, it's the division of the lands that the Israelites have conquered. So now the, for the Israelites, this would have been a super um, huge significance and importance as to what land their tribe has been given. It is the fulfillment um, of the promise to Abraham. You're right. Oh. It's the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham of the promised land that they are to inherit. Um, however, the start is not necessarily all rosy. So we'll read um, from verses 1 to 7. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old. That's nice, isn't it? And there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains, all the regions of the Philistines and Jeshurites, from the Shire River on the east of Egypt to the territory of the Ekron on the north, all of it counted as Canaanite, though held by the five Philistine rulers in um, Gazar, Ashdod, Eshkelon, Gath and Ekron, the territory of the Avites on the south, all the land of the Canaanites, from Arar of the Sidians, as far as Aphek, and the border of the Amorites, the area of Bablos, uh, and all of Lebanon to the east, from Baalgad now below Mount Hermon to Lebo, Hamath. Well, that makes me quite breathless saying all that. Whew. As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Lebanon to Mishroth Maim, that is, all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have instructed you, and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half of the tribe of Manasseh. So note the start of this new section. The first thing that is said, other than Joshua, you're old, is there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. You see, Israel had actually failed to fully conquer the land. Although God had given them, Canaan, the promised land as an inheritance, 
they did not fully possess or take hold of um, or own all of the inheritance that was available to them. The Israelites were not meant to be passive recipients to the promises of God. They had to believe the Lord in order to take possession of the land. They had to stay humbled and surrendered to God's leading, demonstrating faith by obeying the Lord's commandments, including his commandments of how they were to take the land. As we read in the previous chapters, there were specific ways that God wanted the Israelites to capture the land and to go into battle. So when the Israelites believed God and lived out their faith by following God's commandments given through Joshua, they, they did capture a lot. They captured the central portion of Canaan and many cities in the north and south. But when they showed a lack of faith by not obeying the Lord, they experienced defeat, as we read in the past, in uh, the case of Ekin Sin at Ai. We've seen from the list of the kings defeated under Joshua, which was, I think, last week, Joshua 12, confirming the possession of the land. There's enough territory that had been taken that Israel could be said to be governing the entire region in principle, even if not every square inch yet belonged to the nation. Under Joshua's leadership, Israel, like I said, took substantial possession of Canaan. However, from what we've just read here, that not every bit of territory was ruled by the Israelites during Joshua's lifetime. More had to be conquered. Joshua showed that the, in the ancient Israelites that God would keep his promises But again, in these verses, it indicates that they would not live in the land apart from their continued faith, demonstrated by following God's commands to take the rest of Canaan. So effectively, when the Israelites obeyed and trusted in God's commands and the ways that they they gained land, but when there was apathy, procrastination, faithlessness, When they took it in their own hands, they failed to gain further land. They fell short. The people had to continue to believe in order to secure the whole inheritance. Because there is a difference between inheritance and possession. God had given Israel, God had given Israel Canaan as an inheritance, a promise. However, they did not fully possess it. They did not fully possess their inheritance. Similarly, our faith is not just a one-time act. Possessing all that God has given us is our continuing goal. Receiving all that God has given to us in Christ is God's will for us. Our goal is to be filled completely with God so that his character, his attributes, his love defines our existence. Um, C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters illustrates this. 
in um, his book, an elder demon is writing to his younger nephew, attempting to explain God's grand plan for humankind. So it reads, One must face the fact that all the talk about his God's love for men and his service being perfect freedom is not, as one would gladly believe, mere propaganda, but an appalling truth. He really does want to fill the universe with a lot of loathsome little replicas of himself. Creatures whose life on its miniature scale will be qualitatively like his own. Not because he absorbed them, but because their wills freely conform to his. I love that last line. Not because he has absorbed them. That would be weird. (laughs) Yeah, because that's an option. But because their wills freely conform to his. I just want to read a prophetic word that I was given back in 2016, just as I was about to head out to um, South Africa. So this lady said, I hear two phrases. One, come away with me. And two, free to be. It is anything you can believe for. Anything you can step into and receive. This is his revelation. There is his revelation of it and your receiving of it and beginning to walk in. Anything that you can receive and begin to walk in will be added to the list, comma, and wait for the next thing. If you can receive it and walk in it, put that in, comma, it is limitless. I don't see a period or a full stop in this. If there is a full stop, you did it, not him. And then you make the decision, am I willing to be open again and say, Lord, is there more? That is going to be the prayer for the rest of your life. Lord, is there more? I don't care what situation you are in, what age, what season, what else appears to be or who else can do. Your prayer will be, Lord, is there more? And as he reveals, receive, walk in, and it keeps on going. Now that prophecy has stayed in my mind throughout these years as such an encouragement and a healthy conviction of, Lord, is there more? The season that I am in, the way that I am walking, is there more? Have I, have I um, put a stop intentionally or unintentionally in experiencing all that you have for me in this season? Many of you um, will have heard parts of my testimony before, so apologies if this is a bit of a repeat for any of you. But I grew up with such a fear of speaking to people I didn't know or in a group of people, and I was just painfully shy. Part of this fear was embarrassment, that I would just stutter from anxiety, um, and that I would get mocked for going red in my face. The worst part with my red face is I have no idea when I go red and it's, there's no correlation between embarrassment. I can be, I come out of an exam and I'm red 
or I go swimming and I'm red, or I just walking about and I go red. There's no correlation. It's just I'm white, I go red. Um, but I did get mocked and I did get bullied for it. And so I would retreat more because I wouldn't want to obviously get bullied and mocked for it. But I knew that inside there was a voice that God had given me that he wanted out and I wanted out. And now throughout YWAM, throughout uni, and then being in Medway, God has given me such a huge freedom, and by his grace has given me the confidence in him that has enabled me to find my voice. And now I could easily think, well, that's a big change for me. I've done a lot. God has done a lot in my life. I'll just camp out here for a while. But no, there is so much more in God that he has for me, that he has for all of us. You, it's so easy, I think, to think, God is taking me this far, that's pretty cool. He's going to take you, he can take you even further. There is more land to, to gain in Christ. So through his life, death and resurrection, <clears throat> oh, yeah, I... I don't want to get to my old age and God to say, or for myself even to look back and think there could have been so much more. There is still land in my life that I have not fully surrendered. I know that. But I don't want to get down further in my life and think there was definitely even more land that I could have surrendered in my life to God. There could have been more experiences in God that I could have experienced. There could have been more just areas that if I had obeyed more fully or lived more fully out in the spirit that I could have seen or walked in. Because it's us that stops us, that stops that, not, not God. I want to get to a, a age and be able to say, I have lived a life worthy of the gospel. I have lived a life full of the Holy Spirit. I have known and lived in the fullness of God in this earth. I'm sure we've all been to some of those funerals, some people's funerals as well, where you're like, this was a godly man or woman. And there's just so many legacies that have been sent. Like when I was at my granddad's funeral. I want to be like that. So through this, his life death and resurrection, Jesus reverses the land exile cycle by going into exile on our behalf and then giving us the land that he inherits. So geographically, the promised land of Canaan was a fertile land with brooks and deep springs that gushed out into the valleys and hills. There was rich soils, vines, fig trees, olives, the Israelites would lack nothing. But through Jesus, we enter into the land. Jesus, who walked on our land, has become the promised land. God's glory falls not on a geographical location, but on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory. Jesus turns our eyes from a 
geographical place to a person, from a place being in Jerusalem to being in Jesus Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. But we live in the now and not yet. The kingdom of God is here, but not yet in its complete fullness until Jesus comes back in the second coming. So we are to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as we read in Philippians 12, to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. To live a life where no nook or cranny of our lives is not touched by the fullness of God. That the fullness of God would dwell within all of us. Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So the fullness of God. Even just thinking about that, the fullness of God. You could literally just go down such a long like, Bible study and your mind will still be just blown by the fullness of God. So it's seen in the love of Christ. It has a breadth that reaches as far as Christ can reach and a length that reaches as far as Christ can reach and a height that soars as far as Christ can soar and a depth that can, can dig deep dig down as deep as Christ can dig and is not that fourfold direction the extent of Christ's love the fullness the love of Christ as we are rooted and grounded in him is bottomless higher than any height reaches longer than any length no end to its extent no end to its breadth. Breath. It is full, all in all. And when we have experientially sunk our roots into Christ and built our lives on Christ and found the love of Christ to be all that it is in its breadth and length and height and depth, we are tasting and experiencing the fullness of God. I think that the, this prayer 
it can be one, it's quite known, it's one that you can easily kind of rattle through and, and read quite quick. But when you stop again and just try to comp contemplate the height, the length, the breadth, the depth of Christ's love and the fullness, it's just, it should lead you to a place of just your mind is just quite blown, really. The love of Christ is God's gift of himself. It is all the ways a human can enjoy him on this earth, meaning his fullness. And again, when we have sunk our roots into Christ, spread our lives on the foundation of Christ, and found the love of Christ infinitely high, deep, wide, long, then we have tasted God's gift of himself, because that is what the love of Christ is. All the ways we can enjoy him now, that's what the love of Christ mediates to us. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is through the love of Christ. The gifts of the Spirit in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is through the love of Christ, the fullness of God. And what Paul is asking here is that we as one Jew and Gentile may be filled with all the fullness of God, experienced as Christ dwelling in our hearts, enabling us to comprehend the breadth, length, height, depth of his love that is so great that it surpasses knowledge that it takes a miracle to know it. It's pretty amazing. And when we do know it, experience it, and live in more of the love of Christ, the fullness of God, how can we not but continue to want to be led by the Holy Spirit? To be led to areas of personal surrender, personal challenge, want to grow deeper into the gifts of the Spirit, and naturally into then wanting to share who Jesus is to our friends family, neighbours, and so on. The more that we can become rooted and grounded in Christ's love, to really understand that the length, the breadth, the height, the depth, the fullness of God, that is out of that place where we can continue to go and take more land. So that, again, we don't come to a point of our old age and think, there was still more that I could have done. Because really, when, when you're not leading out into those areas, it's often out of feel as good as I can be, or apathy, or you're just not really bothered, or you just get so distracted by life. Joel and I were um, talking this early in this week of just how different this season is for us. I was saying to Simba earlier, it's just... We go to work, we come back, we do some shed stuff. We go to work, we come back, we do more shed stuff or nursery painting or something. There's just housework, 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 housework all the time as we get ready for baby. 
And it's hard to think, like I said about the prophecy earlier, Lord, is there more? In this season, like how, how, can, how can I see, Lord, you doing more stuff in our lives, taking more of that land? Each season will look so different. It won't all look like, um, I don't know, just signs and wonders and miracles. There will be seasons like that. But seasons where it just seems really boring. But even in those seasons, there is still land to be taken in our lives. And there is still areas that God wants to work with us. So... I have some questions for us, which will come up um, as I go through them. There are quite a few questions, but if there is one that particularly stands out for you, maybe write it down or take a photo of it, and in your own time, then you can just really ponder it, or ponder all of them. What is the land in our own lives that remains untouched? Are there areas of our lives that we have not fully surrendered and given over to God? What has God or is God calling me into that I am yet to step into? And perhaps with that acknowledging, what might it be that's preventing you? Where am I in my stage of apprenticeship to Jesus? What inheritance do I have in Christ that I am not possessing fully? And that can also go back to, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. And for Medway Valley, what are we not stepping into but could? And then finally, what are the prophetic words that Medway Valley, or even ourselves, have been given that we need to act upon. Because as I said at the start, it's not a passive thing. Our relationship with God, our walk with God, the apprenticeship. We need to be active. So some good deep questions to think about really.